Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is The Guardian. I think not only the government, I think this is time for every Australian to think whether China is a threat or a partner. But it seems uh, that it is the Australian government to play up all the issues of contention and uh, make the atmosphere even more sour and bad for further collaboration between our business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. You're with Catherine Murphy. Normally, I'm the host, but this week, Daniel Hurst is in command. Daniel covers foreign affairs, and this week he sat down with China's acting ambassador to Australia, Wang Xining. I don't think this conversation needs much preamble. We know that the relationship is uh, in some difficulties, and this conversation turns around that. I also encourage you to listen through to the end. Daniel and I have some housekeeping that, uh, that we need to put in front of you at the end of this conversation. Listen up. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Mr Wong. Um, how would you describe the current state of the China-Australia relationship? Uh, thank you, Daniel, for your interest uh, of our relationship. Since the establishment of our diplomatic relations, we always believe that a stable and healthy uh, relationship will serve the interest of our two countries and our two peoples. And I mean, what China wants from Australia remain unchanged from the time uh, as compared to the time when we set up the comprehensive strategic partnership. Uh, so it's, it's quite saddening <laughs> and disappointing that over the past five years, uh, the relationship has not been in a good shape and there seems to be quite some point of contention between the two countries and between the governments. Uh, that's what we're trying to find out solutions because, uh, as I said, we are trying to make this, uh, this relationship working for the interest of both peoples and both countries. So why has it gotten worse in the last few years? I know there's uh, quite some different interpretation of the sources of current uh, state of re relationship. I will explain what I observed. I think over the past five years or so, there seems to be uh, quite a lopsided uh, observation and even ill intentions 
uh, interpretation of China's development, uh, both in terms of uh, politics uh, and uh, economic and uh, economy, uh, trade and technological advancement. So that has led to some ill-advised and misguided political judgment on the role of China in its relationship with Australia and in its role in the world. So sadly, that even resulted in a series of what I would say negative actions, negative policies and actions from uh, Australia against China uh, that has been executed in a very disrespectful, disrespectful way and, and also in, um, uh, how would say, ruthless <laughs> and even arbitrary way, which have led to what I say destructive uh, effect on our partnership, uh, which was defined uh, roughly uh, five or six years ago. What actions do you say are ruthless? Oh, uh, for example, uh, by being saying disrespectful, because we were uh, uh, defined as a strategic, uh, comprehensive strategic partnership. So as partners, we should behave like partners. And whenever there's a problem, uh, whenever there are issues we don't see eye to eye, uh, there are diplomatic ways and the ways to deal with differences in as partners should do. But for example, uh, what the Australian government's decision on Huawei, uh, the decisions on a lot of initiative from um, Chinese business to invest more in Australia, and of course also the decision on uh, 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 the Belt and Road uh, Agreement between Victoria government and the National Development and Reform uh, Commission. There's no discussion, no proper discussion, no proper negotiation, as partners should do. And as partners, we should try our best to get rid of the misunderstanding and the misinterpretation of the other's uh, strategic aim and strategic intention. But no such effort has been made. And also, you know what happened to our journalists. You are a journalist. You know what happened to our journalists in Sydney. They've been brutalized by certain agencies from your government. So this is not the way to treat a partner, particularly to treat China. I think those journalists are now free back in China, right? Do you have an update on the situation of Chung Lei, the Australian journalist who's still detained? Madame Chile is going through the uh, um, uh, a legal process according to Chinese law and regulations. So, uh, because uh, he's an Australian, she is an Australian citizen. So she will be provided consular service from your diplomatic and consular mission in China, and also her legitimate rights and interest as a foreigner will be guaranteed and has been guaranteed and ensured in our uh, uh, legal system.
in our legal practice. The Australian government says there's been a lack of detail about why she's been detained and arrested. Why has she been detained and arrested? It's in the legal process and uh, uh, she's been charged for leaking national uh, uh, secret to foreign entities. So this is a case pertaining to national security. Uh, so there are, uh, there will, the details will be exposed to the public according to certain regulations. You talked about how partners should treat each other. A lot of Australians would have seen the trade actions over the past 18 months that have been taken against a range of export sectors, coal, uh, barley, wine, mm -hmm. seafood and others. Um, at the same time, Australian government ministers have said they haven't been able to reach um, their counterparts, their direct counterparts. Mm -hmm. Should China, as, as a partner of Australia, agree to talks at that ministerial and leader level? I know the uh, media and also the public here are very uh, focused on these issues, but the, the definition of what happened and the, 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 la the label of what happened uh, is something we don't agree because uh, whenever there, there are uh, companies, there are business and associations who complain about certain practices by foreign countries such as anti-dumping and uh, anti-subsidy, the government need to answer to these uh, requests. So it happened here. I talked to the press that there are up to now at least 107 cases of anti-dumping and anti-subsidy uh, investigation launched by uh, your department, uh, the Australian relevant department. So there are four cases that took place in China. And uh, for some commodities, whenever uh, some uh, uh, defects, uh, defects such as uh, uh, metal residue, uh, that's been adding or pest that's been identified in agricultural pro produce. I think the uh, uh, administration in China has the obligation to deal with such cases. Uh, but in the market, we need to play fairly, right? And uh, I don't think what the Australian government has been doing in terms of setting barriers against Chinese business uh, investment is fair. Because, uh, you know, last year, our foreign uh, direct investment, uh, I mean, in total in the, to the world, grew by 12%. But uh, Chinese business investment in Australia went down uh, about 60% because they, they've been scared away. They've been driven away uh, by what seems to be uh, ostensible uh, barriers that's been set up by your government. Just on those trade actions, ultimately some of them will be decided eventually by the World Trade Organization. But the Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson, Sao Lijian, said at a press conference in July mm -hmm. um, about Australia, we will not allow any country to reap benefits from doing business with China while groundlessly accusing and smearing China. When a certain country acts as a cat's paw for others, it's the people that pay for misguided government policies. Mm -hmm. Doesn't this show that at least in part the trade actions rolled out by China are motivated by politics and not um, legitimate trade grounds? Actually, uh, there are a long list of differences uh, between our two governments. And uh, 
naturally. Uh, th th such things happen between every two countries, even between Australia and uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say which country. You would have a list of differences. And uh, uh, the key is, as partners, how we handle these cases. And the other thing is whether you treat China as a threat or as a partner, because uh, I heard and we heard uh, top-tiered officials publicly claim that China is the number one threat to Australia, which we don't believe it is true. Uh, at the same time, uh, as I said, there are inadequate uh, uh, diplomacy that's been executed by your government in terms of solving these differences. And to make the uh, matter worse, uh, I think what the trajectory of the negative moves I mentioned that has been going on uh, starting from roughly five years ago go in line with uh, the uh, attack that's been launched by uh, the previous, uh, started by the previous US administration against China, both in terms of subjects and timing. So that is not helpful to uh, have a working partnership uh, that should be independently organized and executed by the two entities involved. There's a review underway about the Port of Darwin. The Chinese company Landbridge has a 99-year lease. What would be the consequence on the relationship if the Australian government cancelled this lease? Uh, again, I think uh, business is business. There is a contract signed between a Chinese company and the Northern Territory uh, government. And also, uh, I think I've been there. I think uh, uh, the Northern Territory government is very keen to promote uh, further relationship with China. And also, uh, Darwin is the nearest city to China uh, geographically. And people are talking about further collaboration between the greater Gulf area, which include uh, Guangdong province, Hong Kong and Macau, uh, with Northern Territory. I know the Chinese company is planning to expand the capacity of the port, uh, which will help the Northern Territory to increase uh, cooperation uh, in terms of scale and in terms of intensity with China, which will help the development of uh, Northern Territory. And uh, I talked with the people who's running, who's running the daily operation of the port. They are Australian citizens. And uh, I, the most important thing is I wonder whether Australia can afford to break another contract. So I'm, I won't be surprised if the uh, intelligence and uh, the security apparatus would stretch its hand again to a normal business uh, uh, operation. But uh, as far as I see, this uh, a very uh, awkward argument about the potential uh, security uh, uh, danger that's been posed by a, a business operation. Do you accept it, that it's a sovereign matter for Australia if the security advice is that it be cancelled, that that's um, able to be done? Or is, would there be a reaction from China? 
there will be we we made response to all the negative moves. Uh, so we explicitly expressed our opposition uh, to the moves that uh, does not go in line with the positioning of our uh, relationship, the comprehensive strategic partnership. But it seems to uh, it seems to me that all these responses have fallen on deaf ear. So nobody uh, in the government seems to be uh, listening carefully about what uh, my government have expressed. And even in certain areas, it seems the tension uh, are still going on. And uh, it's very disappointing because we believe this year is the uh, 50th anniversary of Mr. Whitlam's visit to China. So I think 50 years ago, there are greater differences between China and uh, uh, Australia, but we managed to start a process that turned out to be bene mutually beneficial for both sides. And uh, I don't think the model of our relationship in the past five years should serve as a model for the next five decades. Would China impose some extra costs or some negative impact if the Port of Darwin lease was cancelled? Uh, as a responsible government uh, and uh, a, 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 uh, a government that has a mature diplomacy, we react to what's been done. And uh, I know media uh, like to make hypothetical uh, analysis of what's going to happen, but uh, we think it should not happen. But when it happened, we have to make response uh, to it. Have you made direct representations to the Australian government about the Port of Darwin lease? Uh, actually, we made representation to all the issues that we don't see eye to eye. And it's funny that uh, uh, your colleague in another media uh, who, uh, who had an uh, 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 off-the-record chat with one of my colleagues uh, fabricate a, a so-called 14-point list because the list is, should be longer than 14 points. And uh, it's funny to me because uh, we, uh, my colleague is a very mature diplomat and when we are negotiating with the government, it's like a card game and we're showing the media what our cards are. And it's, it seems to be that the media think the Chinese uh, diplomats are all idiots. And I think it's, it's an idea to use such a fabricated, a, a misleading made up, uh, to use it as an excuse to accuse China of uh, certain wrongdoings. I think the list was real and it was given to the journalist, right? Uh, my colleague was uh, offered uh, an opportunity to, um, to explain uh, why uh, our relationship is not in good shape. So she tried uh, to enumerate uh, certain points that uh, your government and my government uh, doesn't agree upon, uh, don't agree upon. But that's not all. And the key is not what happened, what's on the list. The key is how we solve it, how we deal with it. Is it, is it the way we deal with it? in line with the spirit of our relationship, of our partnership, or is it should be dealt with in a very, again, I say, ruthless, arbitrary and disrespectful way? One of the points in the list was about unfriendly and antagonistic media reporting on China and about 
outrageous commentary of the Chinese government by Australian members of parliament. Do you now concede that that's not, you know, it's not possible for the Australian government to restrict those two aspects, that, that in Australia we can't restrict the free press or restrict the comments of parliamentarians? I, I think it pertains to different cultural uh, and tra- uh, cultural background and traditions, but this is a relationship that needs contribution from all elements. Uh, and uh, whether it's from media or from legislature, it is our hope that they make judgments, they make analysis according to facts. And uh, uh, it is, uh, I, I, as far as I know, some people make judgment on China based on certain conjectures and insinuations, and they are not facts. But the aim is to retain a certain sense of superiority. Uh, that is a pathetic psychology as far as I see. But didn't China want movement on some of those points listed? Uh, sure, and I think uh, our job is to do the troubleshooting, right? And uh, uh, we need to discuss with our counterparts in different departments of your government and try to find out a solution for, uh, for those problems. And uh, the process has been going on. Uh, actually, uh, we have more complaints because there are more cases of uh, rejected proposal from the Chinese business as exposed to uh, the media. I would not identify the uh, the names of the Australian business and the Chinese business involved because it's our culture and our way of doing things because we, we still want to give them opportunities for further collaboration. But it seems uh, that it is the Australian government to play up all the issues of contention and uh, make the atmosphere even more sour and bad for further collaboration between our business. In retrospect, was that list a mistake? Because it's been reported that the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, took it to G7 colleagues uh, a few months back. Um, Was that an own goal in in retrospect by China? Uh, I think uh, your colleague uh, in another media uh, has not done his job according to uh, uh, professional ethics because it's an off-record conversation and uh, it's, it's not a complete list and it's not the, uh, something we try to uh, uh, brief the media about uh, how we will handle these cases uh, with our counterparts in the uh, Australian government. We are still very keen to engage in a very fruitful and uh, a constructive dialogue and troubleshooting process to get all these problems solved in the end. So that's served the uh, uh, fundamental interest of our partnership. Well, why not resume ministerial calls then? What level is the contact currently occurring? How often do you speak, for example, with the foreign minister or her office in Australia? Well, we have different level officers uh, talking to their counterparts. So there are official level contacts. I, I guess people hear about the freeze on ministerial discussions, but. What happens on a day-to-day basis in terms of discussions between Australia and China? 
uh, in, uh, yeah, we, we, we keep talking to each other at a different level uh, between officials. Uh, as far as we understand, uh, ministers are political leadership, a member of political leadership. So for them, uh, we can't organize a talk for the talk's sake. We have to see the results of the talk. Like uh, you see what happened yesterday between uh, President Xi Jinping and President Biden. Uh, they are not empty talk. They talk about substance and there's concrete result coming from such high level talks. So which, what, what would be the precondition for returning to ministerial talks between Australia and China? Uh, first, uh, we, uh, we need to prepare for concrete results. We need to find a, a real solution for certain problems between certain ministers. And we need an atmosphere because when you see uh, the top tiered officials keep on saying that China is a threat uh, and keep saying that we, we may, uh, uh, I mean, the Australia may get involved in a military conflict in certain part of China. This is not a conducive uh, uh, environment for engaging in ministerial talk. So I'm, I'm just not particularly clear on what you want the Australian government to do specifically in order to allow talks to resume. The talk may happen any time, but we need preparation both in terms of political atmosphere and of technical uh, preparation. So uh, it, it may happen anytime, but we need a suitable environment and we need to talk uh, about the uh, substance uh, in advance. So uh, it would need and the Australian government to state that China is not a threat and that Australia wouldn't intervene in Taiwan, is that what you're saying? I think not only the government, I think this is the time for every Australians to think whether China is a threat or a partner. If you believe China is a threat, then I hope you could base your judgment on, again on facts and on your observation of how uh, China encroaches upon your interest. If you think China may be a partner and is a partner and uh, look at China and deal with uh, uh, issues related to China, as partners should do. Have you had cause to reflect on China's um, external sort of actions in the last few years? Mm -hmm. um, the Lowy Institute and Pew have both done polling. Um, trust in China in Australia has dramatically decreased in the last few years. The latest Lowy poll showed just 16% of the Australians surveyed said they trusted China to act responsibly in world affairs. Now that's down from 52% in 2018. So what, what responsibility does China take for that decline in trust in Australia? I said uh, maybe it started from a uh, five or six years ago, a very tragic and saddening process that uh, China has been misportrayed uh, as uh, being more aggressive or being more assertive. Uh, well, as my country grows, 
uh, of course, uh, there will be more interaction, both in terms of uh, political interaction and uh, business engagement with almost entire, uh, every country in the world. And now China became the largest trading partner for and, uh, uh, sorry, 130 countries. And also uh, the Belt and uh, Road Initiative reached out to over 170 countries. Uh, people need to adapt it to these new elements. And that pertains to whether you hang on a, 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 the Cold War or the uh, uh, outdated mentality, or you see uh, China, uh, uh, or you accept China as a new element in the new international situation. So no, you know, there's no self-reflection there about China's own actions in driving that decline? We need to talk, uh, sorry, we need to talk more. We need to communicate more with uh, other countries, other governments, and the people from the other countries. But to be frank, I think uh, before COVID, there are about half a million Australians who would visit China each year. If you ask them, uh, I think most of them will tell you a different story because they've seen China from their eyes, they've experienced what happened in China. Uh, so uh, they would give you more objective observation of uh, uh, China's uh, uh, the, the, the sentiment and this, uh, the, um, uh, the feelings of the Chinese people. Uh, you'd be aware of um, comments that the Australian Defence Minister Peter Dutton made to the Australian newspaper about Taiwan recently. Uh, Dutton said it would be inconceivable that we wouldn't support the US in an action if the US chose to take that action. What's your response to his comments and have you made any formal protest about those comments? Um, uh, it's not the first time we heard a similar argument, but I think the public and political debate uh, that happened here uh, in relation to Taiwan uh, is not well-founded because it seems that all the debate is based on uh, a so-called uh, possible military conflict across the Taiwan Strait. But I believe people should look deeper into the history and the issue of sovereignty, because uh, Taiwan was uh, reunified into China uh, at the end of the Second World War, when Australia, United States, uh, Great Britain and China are all allies. And uh, according to uh, the uh, international agreement that's been reached up before the end of the Second World War, uh, Taiwan uh, came back to China. So unification was achieved at that time. And uh, uh, China suffered a loss of 35 million people in this war against the aggression from Japan. And it's a heavy price to pay for achieving unification of the motherland. And if you study the history of China, you know how people cherish unification. And no government can afford to uh, let a piece of territory go away from the motherland. But Peter Dutton's comments suggest that Australia would support a US action if it, if it got to that. Is What would be the consequences for Australia of, of making that unequivocal statement of support in a military engagement? Again, that's a hypothetical question. Well, he's, he's made these comments. Yeah, uh, I think the uh, Australian government should... Uh, uh, 
abide by the one China policy, uh, which is the foundation of our diplomatic relations and the foundation of uh, any diplomatic relations between China and uh, a foreign country. And today, uh, the majority of the international uh, community uh, follow the one China policy and recognize the government of the People's Republic of China as a sole legal representative of the whole China. And if Australia really want to see peace and stability maintained in the region across the Taiwan Strait, they should try everything to stop the current DPP authority in Taiwan to pursue Taiwan independence. My understanding is Australia's one China policy acknowledges the position of the PRC regarding Taiwan status. Acknowledge, not necessarily recognise or uphold that. There's a bit of ambiguity there. Um, have you lodged a formal protest? I didn't catch whether you've protested about Mr Dutton's comments. We talk with uh, our counterparts in different departments about, about uh, the issue of Taiwan repeatedly. Uh, Recently, there are several cases in relation to uh, Taiwan that uh, we don't agree. So we put forward our uh, arguments, put forward our position, the government's position, to our relevant counterparts uh, in your political dis establishment. Are Mr Dutton's comments about Taiwan and about China more generally, are they helpful to the relationship? I think the politicians had an obligation to follow the government policy and also uh, should uh, do at their best to uh, make this relationship uh, moving towards a, a brighter future and not to, uh, 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 to do anything that would lead to an even more uh, gloomy uh, state of our relationship. Because I remember Foreign Minister Madame Peng said uh, Australia wants a constructive relationship with China then. Uh, so it is an obligation for all the incumbent uh, politicians to refrain from doing anything that's destructive to our relationship. Are you saying his comments are destructive? It's, um, I think they should, uh, every minister and every politician uh, and the secretaries should uh, abide by uh, the One China policy and should uh, uh, follow the principle that's being set up by the government. Do you accept the Australian government's um, statement that t former Prime Minister Tony Abbott's recent trip to Taiwan was just as a private citizen? Yeah, or do you draw any broader conclusions from, from that trip? Uh, it is very unfortunate, actually, it is very uh, agonising to see uh, that such a high-level politician uh, would engage in something that doesn't serve the interest of uh, Australia. Because I think it serves the interests of Australia and China to stick to one China policy and uh, uh, make our relationship as trouble-free as possible. On AUKUS, um, China has been critical of this deal, but China itself has nuclear-propelled submarines and is modernising its military at quite a rapid rate. Mm -hmm. So how can you seriously say that it's adding to a regional arms race? Because Australia's plan is for at least eight nuclear-propelled submarines, but they probably won't start being in the water till the 2040s. Yeah. How, can that, how can that really be adding to 
a regional arms race when you consider the context, including China's own military expansion. Uh, Daniel, you have a point. Uh, I think, uh, um, as many other countries in the world and in the region, China is concerned about the formation about uh, AUKUS, but I think it is the Australian people that should be more worried about AUKUS and about the acquisition of uh, this uh, uh, nuclear-powered submarine. The why, first, why is, why yeah, is that? Two reasons. Two reason. I will simplify uh, all the concerns into two reasons, the worries into two reasons. The first is the nuclear safety. You know what happened to Chernobyl? About 34 years after the incident, it, it still had an impact on people's lives. And you know what happened to Fukushima? And uh, recently, there's a collision of uh, uh, U.S. submarine Connecticut. Um, so you cannot guarantee nothing would happen to such a, uh, a vessel uh, powered by a nuclear reactor. Doesn't that but, criticism apply to China too? You know, but but uh, there's zero nuclear capacity technologically uh, in Australia that would guarantee you will be trouble-free, you will be incident-free. And if anything happened, are the politicians ready to say sorry to people in Melbourne and Adelaide? We are concerned because we are going to buy things from your Antarctica coast. So uh, that's why we are worried. We are, we are concerned about the nuclear safety. The second thing that the Australian people should worry is the nation's branding. Look at the reactions from all over the world about 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 AUKUS, about uh, the proposal about uh, of this uh, nuclear-powered submarine. Australia is branded as a, a a genuine follower and genuine supporter of international institution and international system. By trying to acquire a nuclear-powered submarine, it certainly has an impact on the ongoing non-proliferation system. So I'm going to be a naughty guy. <laughs> the second thing is uh, people of my age in China see Australia as a peace lover uh, after the Second World War and a contributor to regional uh, integration and global development. The APEC initiative was brilliant, but nowadays people know that a nuclear-powered submarine is designed to launch long-range attack against a, 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 a target far away. So who are you going to attack? You are no longer a peace lover, a peace defender. You become a cyber wielder in, in certain form. And the third thing is people know this is a, a, a partnership formed by three Anglo-Saxon countries. So it's an Anglo-Saxon clique. So it shows that certain people in your country still have a mentality of a concentric stratification of people according to their cultural and ethnic background. So I think those people who really cherish multilateralism and multiculturalism should be worried because certain people are still hanging on. The legacy of the colonial British empire, the idea of Pax Americana, and even trying to pursue Pax Angloana. And on human rights, um, if everything is fine in Xinjiang, 
Why won't China allow unfettered access to the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet? Actually, the, 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 the talks been going on between the uh, UN High Commission on Human Rights and our relevant department. The pressure, the preparations going on, uh, is going on for, for, for the visit. But uh, uh, also we have invited ambassadors from uh, certain Western countries, including Australia, to visit Xinjiang to see with their eye what happened there. Uh, I think uh, the current judgment on the situation in Xinjiang by your government is very ill-advised. Uh, what's the evidence about the so-called eth ethnic cleansing, about so-called camp? It's uh, based on certain satellite image, which falsely identified the senior citizens' house and even markets as a camp. But coming back to the question, mm -hmm. in those talks between um, Ms. Bachelet and the Chinese authorities have been going on for quite some time mm. and she's recently raised concerns that she's not able to report progress on seeking meaningful access. So the, the, the issue is around meaningful access. Mm. Why wouldn't you just allow meaningful, unfettered access or is there something to hide? When you visit a place, uh, because nothing like uh, the Western media has, has described happened in Xinjiang, uh, we've, uh, the Chinese government spent a lot of energy and resources on uh, de-radicalization uh, and also on preventing uh, the uh, terrorist attack from taking place again. And we are trying very hard to boost the capacity, the capability of the local population, particularly those from uh, minority ethnic background, to give them more opportunity for economic and social development. Just on the outlook, um, we've seen the trade actions we discussed earlier in the interview, um, but iron ore hasn't been affected yet. Should, should iron ore exporters from Australia be worried about the prospect of further actions? I don't think any exporters should be worried uh, about uh, a normal trade with uh, uh, with China. Because you see uh, our import in the first three quarters grew by roughly 32%. And the commodity export from Australia to China in the first three quarters grew in the similar proportion, about 31.6%. So it shows a strong complementarity between our two economies. And it serves the interest to, to engage in deeper economic and trade ties. One more on trade, though. Would China be looking at ending the unofficial ban on Australian coal in any time soon? Uh, I would not describe uh, what happened to uh, the coal as you described because uh, uh, our customer our customer administration will look into the quality, will look into the safety uh, of the import according to their rules. Uh, Again, I think economic and trade ties between our two countries are mutually beneficial, and there should not be barriers. We should promote our economic and trade ties according to international norm and according to international rules. And again, I hope the, all the barriers and obstacles that has been set up uh, here in Australia against the Chinese business will be removed and as far as I know, there are still people pushing for more barriers, more obstacles, discriminatorily against the Chinese business, which will not be helpful for 
the uh, improvement of our relationship. The final question on the outlook. Scott Morrison has said that he wants happy coexistence as the end point. Is that achievable and how can that be achieved? How can um, China and Australia have that peaceful coexistence or is it more likely that there's an extended period of um, uh, difficult uh, relationship? What's your, what's your view on whether we're stuck with this for the years ahead? Uh, again, I said uh, we want this relationship to be mutually beneficial to both peoples and both countries on the basis of uh, uh, mutual respect and the economic benefit and uh, the political trust are the two wheels of our relationship. We can't imagine that there will be a very cordial relationship in certain fields without a solid foundation of uh, good analysis of each other's strategic intention and political trust between the leadership. So we need to build this relationship in the coming five decades uh, in a comprehensive way, because we are a comprehensive strategic partnership. We can't focus our relationship only in certain uh, fields uh, with negligence of the other fields. Mr Wong, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. You know the drill, share, tell your friends, rate, review, all of the above. Now, at the top of the conversation, I mentioned uh, Daniel and I needed to put some other information in front of you. Uh, during this interview, you will have heard that the ambassador accused the Nine Network journalist Jonathan Kersley of a breach of professional ethics. Naturally, we sought a, a response from uh, Kersley. He says uh, the acting ambassador confirms the meeting took place and the list was given to me by the embassy official. The only fabrication he speaks of is that the list should be longer than 14 points. In the years since I revealed this list, no Chinese official has ever denied the substance of my reports, nor does the acting ambassador do so in his interview with Guardian Australia. And it is inconceivable that a Chinese diplomat would ever deliver such an extraordinary list to a journalist without the explicit consent of senior officials in the Chinese Communist Party. Also on Friday morning, the Defence Minister Peter Dutton was on Breakfast Television, Daniel, and was asked about this interview and uh, he gave a response. What's the guts of that? So Peter Dutton uh, was asked to respond on the Today Show to Wang Xining's comment that Australian politicians should refrain from doing anything destructive to the relationship. Dutton said that the comments were inflammatory and quite remarkable. Dutton said, quote, it's not just in Australia, it's in India, Japan, in most other countries of this world, this type of diplomacy, this provocative sort of comical statement, really, it's so silly, it's funny. And I think the acting ambassador is reading off a script from the Communist Party. But I think most Australians see through the non-productive nature of the comments, and they should be dismissed in that vein. That's what Dutton had to say. Okay, so uh, that is the housekeeping that we needed you to listen to. Uh, a little bit of further housekeeping. <laughs> Allow me to thank, of course, uh, uh, the executive producer of uh, the pod this week, who is Melanie Tate. Uh, the wonderful Miles Martignoni is off on parental leave at the moment. And thank you to the dear Karishma Luthria, who cuts uh, the episode and has certainly done that this week. We're entering the final two sitting weeks of uh, Parliament for 2021. Uh, we'll be back next week.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.